اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر 193 سورت الشعراء آیا 141 تو 191 In the previous story of the people of Ad we learn how much they loved their money, their wealth, their skill, their talent which is why every possible place they made a monument it shows how much they loved this dunya And now over here, the people of Thamud, we will see something similar. كَذَّبَتْ سَمُودٌ الْمُرْسَلِينَ كَذَّبَتْ It denied. Thamud, the people of Thamud. الْمُرْسَلِينَ The messengers. The people of Thamud, who are also known as أَصْحَابُ الْحِجْرِ The people of Hijr, because they lived in the area of Al-Hijr. They denied the messengers. How did they deny the prophets, the messengers, all of them? Because they denied the messenger who was sent to them. And when they denied him, in reality they denied... All of the messengers. Because every single messenger brought the same aqidah, same belief, same teachings. Not even one prophet differed from the rest. And we learned that all of the prophets, they came from the same source. Who sent every single prophet? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So denying one prophet is like denying prophethood. Denying every single prophet. So the people of Thamud, they denied the messengers. Now the people of Thamud also, They have been mentioned several times in the Qur'an. Again, their story is being mentioned. The focus should not be on the information, the content, rather the focus should be on the message, on the lessons. إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ صَالِحِ When their brother Salih said to them, what did he say to them? أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Again, the message is the same. Will you not fear Allah? Will you not protect yourself? What are you doing? Their prophet is called their brother. He said, إِنِّي لَكُمْ رَسُولٌ أَمِينٌ Indeed, I am to you a trustworthy messenger. A rasul who is ameen, who is performing his task with amana, meaning, I am faithfully conveying every single message of your Lord to you. إِنِّي لَكُمْ رَسُولٌ أَمِينٌ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ So fear Allah. وَأَطِيعُونِي and obey me. وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ And I do not ask you for it any payment. Why? Because in أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ My payment is only from the Lord of the worlds. I mean, if you look at these verses, they're exactly the same. Isn't it? Every prophet, his message seems to be identical. Exactly the same. So much that the verses are the same. What does this emphasize? That all of the prophets brought the same message. And this is why denying one prophet is like denying all of them. Now, notice something that every prophet, he emphasized that I am not expecting any reward from you in return. If you think about it, the work of delivering messages. Like for example, if you have to send a mail, not email, an actual snail mail, right? So when you do that, do you have to pay? Sometimes a lot. You know, sometimes you order something online, and then what happens? You think it was going to cost only $20, by the time it gets into your hands, you end up paying $50 or more. Because you didn't expect that the shipping and everything would be so costly. Right? So just for delivery, how much is charged? A lot. So, I mean, generally, this work is a high-paying job. But the Prophet of Allah makes it clear to his people, I'm not expecting anything in return from you. I am expecting from who? The one who sent me. Then he says, أَتُتْرَكُونَ A will, تُتْرَكُونَ You all be left from Turk. 
Will you all be left fi in ma that which ha huna right here aminin as ones secure? The word ha huna ha. What does ha mean? Ha is for ism ishara qareeb to point to something that is near, like hada. You see hada. What does hada mean? This. So ha ha means ha here. This, that which is very close to you. And huna, what does huna mean? Here, where a person is. Hmm? So ha huna, meaning right here, exactly where you are, the state that you are in, whatever you are surrounded with, do you think that you will be left here in all of this, aminin, as ones who are secure and safe? Aminin is the plural of? Amin. Who is Amin? One who is an Aman. Aman is safety, security. So he's basically making them think that, do you think you're going to stay like this, safe and secure forever? In other words, don't you think you're going to die one day, someday? Do you think you're going to live your life peacefully without any hardship, without any difficulty, without any trouble? Now if somebody asks you this question, would it make you think? Like for example, you're enjoying some food or you're having a really good time at a friend's party and somebody starts talking about death. Is that going to frighten you? Is it going to destroy the pleasure that you're in? It's going to kill it. This is why the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to remember death because it is the destroyer of pleasures. Right? And even if a person doesn't believe in afterlife, even then when they think about death, Does that make them afraid? Yes. Every person. You know, just the idea of death, it frightens us. So he asked them this question to wake them up from their ghafla, to wake them up from their state of heedlessness. But it is sad that we really live our lives as if we're never going to die. Because we live our lives without preparing for death, without even thinking about death. How? We delay things which are important. We say, yeah, I'm going to do it next year. I'm going to do it two years later. How do we know? We might die before that. Isn't it? Who's guaranteeing that you're going to live for two more years so that you can do what you want to do after two years? Is there any guarantee? Is there any surety? Nothing. But we delay things thinking that, yes, we will be able to do them later on. Likewise, when we busy ourselves with things that are so transitory, things that are so temporary, what does that show? That for us, what is most important is our present. And what is their prophet criticizing them for? What is he criticizing them for? That how concerned you are about your present and you are neglecting your future, your akhirah, your eternity. In Surah Al-Mu'minun, Ayah 115, Allah says, أَفَحَسِبْتُمْ أَنَّمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ عَبَثًا وَأَنَّكُمْ إِلَيْنَا لَا تُرْجِعُونَ Did you think that we created you in vain, uselessly, without purpose, and that you're never going to return to us? Every single one of us is going to die. And if we live our lives not thinking about death, not thinking about the afterlife, then we are really being foolish. It shows that our aql, our intellect is qasir. It is deficient. Because who doesn't understand the concept of death? Who doesn't? Children. Isn't it? When you try to talk to them about death, they don't get it. 
They just don't get it. They're not at that level to understand. With age, with more experience, we understand that whatever we have is eventually going to finish. I mean, why is it that when a balloon pops, a child cries? Why? Because it's gone. Whereas when a balloon pops, you're like, duh, it was meant to happen. Isn't it? For you, it's something so normal. And for a child, it's heartbreaking. Because they don't understand the idea of death. So when we also live our lives focusing on our present state only, then it's as if we are living our lives forgetting the akhirah. So he's criticizing them. أَتُتْرَكُونَ فِيمَا هَاهُنَا آمِنِينَ Do you think you're going to be left here safe and secure forever? فِي جَنَّاتٍ وَعُيُونَ In gardens and springs. Jannat is a plural of Jannah. And what is Jannah? A garden. And in particular it is said that Jannah is a place which is filled with all good things. Meaning any good thing that you want, it's there. There's shade, there's greenery, there's beauty, there's food, birds, everything you need. And also Jannah, a garden is called Jannah because if a person goes in a garden, then what will happen? The trees will cover him. Right? And Jannah literally means to cover. So fi jannatin wa uyun, you think you're going to stay in them forever? In these gardens and springs? Uyun plural of ayn? Because a garden is dependent on water. Without water, it's not going to last. So you think you're going to have all of this forever? You're going to stay in here forever? Wazuru'in and fields of crop. Zuru'r plural of zar. And zar is crop, cultivated land, plantations. So are you going to stay in these? Are you going to have all of these forever? Wanakhlin and palm trees. Specifically, which palm trees? Tal'uha hadim. Its tal'r is hadim. What is tal'r? Tal'r from the root letters? Tal'am'ayn. Tal'a, tul'ur. What does it mean? To rise. So tal'r is the emerging fruit. Meaning that part of the fruit that first emerges. And hadim from the root letters ha, dad, meem. Hadim is basically to when something is soft and delicate. Hadum, when something is soft and delicate. Hadama is to squeeze or to press something that is soft. Is it easy to press it? Why is it easy to press it? Because it's very soft. And from this, Hadim is that which is soft, that which is easily chewed. And in the context, it's referring to soft, ripe fruit of the date palm. Which fruit is that? Dates. Okay, just making you think. So, وَزُرُوعٍ وَنَخْلٍ طَلْعُهَا هَضِيمٍ He says that all of these soft fruits, notice soft fruit. Because what happens to soft ripe fruit? Does it go bad? Does it go bad? Very quickly. This is why when you go buy bananas, what kind of bananas do you find in the grocery store? Mostly green. Because if they're yellow, soft, what's going to happen to them? By the time you bring them home, They're already going bad. Hmm? So you think you're going to stay in these blessings forever? No. Then why are you so consumed by it? وَتَنْحِتُونَ And you carve out مِنَ الْجِبَالِ From the mountains, buyutan houses, فَارِهِينَ With skill. Skillfully. Meaning with so much skill, you carve out your houses. تَنْحِتُونَ From نَحْتْ نُونْ حَاتَ And نَحْتْ is to fashion something by cutting it. Chipping. 
And in particular, nahd is used for working on something that's hard and strong. Like for example, stone or wood. How would you carve it? By chipping, by breaking, cutting, shaping out, using a lot of sharp tools. So this is nahd. So you carve out of mountains, homes, buyud plural of bayt. Farihin. Farihin plural of farih. And who is farih? Faraha. One who has the skill of doing something really well. Basically, farh, faraha, furuha is when something is beautiful, something is elegant. Such as a horse or an animal that is running very swiftly, that's very agile. So a horse that's running fast, okay, a horse that's running fast, does it look beautiful? Does it look beautiful? Yes, very beautiful. Likewise, when a person is doing something quickly, easily, why are they able to do it quickly and easily? Because they know what to do. Skill is there. You understand? So if skill is there, then what happens? Beauty comes and speed also comes. Correct? There's beauty and there's speed when you know what you're doing. Like for example, you go into the kitchen. I'm going to cook today. All right? What happens? You're like, okay, where are the dishes? This drawer? No. That drawer? No. That cupboard? No. Where is it? And your mom says, check the dishwasher. You're like, oh, thanks. You take it out of the dishwasher. And then you can't find the ingredients. You spend so much time collecting everything that by the time you get everything together, your mother would have taken the same amount of time to cook everything and also clean up. And what she would make would be much better than what you would make. Why? Because she's got the skill. And because of the skill, there is speed and beauty. This is farih. One who's got the skill to do something, so he does it beautifully and quickly. So, وَتَنْحِتُونَ مِنَ الْجِبَالِ بُيُوتًا فَارِهِينَ So quickly, easily, beautifully, you carve out your houses in mountains. You can do that so easily. Now generally, houses are built. And these people, they dug and carved out their houses in mountains. You know, whenever I think about it, I'm like, how much time it would have taken them? Because imagine digging out a room. Digging out a room, literally, it would take a long time. But they did it so easily. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونِي So fear Allah and obey me. Now, is there a problem with making such houses? Is there? No, there's no problem. As long as it's for the sake of Allah, the intention is good, a person is not showing off. Right? And secondly, it doesn't over-consume a person. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ Now the fact that he's saying, fear Allah and obey me, what does that show? That the intention of these people was not correct. وَلَا تُطِيعُوا And he says, do not obey. أَمْرَ الْمُسْرِفِينَ The أمر, the order of the musrifin, the transgressors. Musrifin, plural of musrif. Who is musrif? One who crosses limits. So do not obey the order of the extravagant people. It seems like their leaders were musrifin. And in the Quran, this is mentioned in Surah An-Naml, Ayah 48, we learn, وَكَانَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ تِسْعَةُ رَهْطٍ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا يُصْلِحُونَ There were in the city nine heads, nine leaders. These nine leaders, what did they do? They caused corruption in the land and they did not reform. They did not cause amends. And that's exactly what is mentioned in the following ayah, الَّذِينَ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Those who cause corruption in the land, وَلَا يُصْلِحُونَ And they do not amend. 
So their Prophet is telling them, do not follow the order of such people. Who? Those who cause fasad, not islah. The question is, how do they cause fasad in the earth? Fasad in the earth, corruption in the land is of two types. One is in the very earth that people are living in, breaking buildings, likewise burning things unnecessarily, pollution, destruction. Right? And secondly, fasad fil ard is also when disturbance, chaos is created within the inhabitants of the earth. Whether it is people, animals, birds. So, yubsiduna fil ard. Those who cause corruption in the land, cutting down trees for no reason, polluting rivers so that even the color of the river changes. This is all form of fasad. Throwing garbage in places which are basically a source of food for so many creatures. Hmm? These are all different forms of fasad. Yufsiduna fil al. Likewise, fasad in the earth is like for example, causing two people to fight. Causing two people to have ill feelings, bad feelings for each other. Separating husband from wife. Making the wife angry with her husband. Making a friend angry with her mother. Like for example, if your friend comes and she starts telling you, oh my mom, she did this and this and this. And you say, yeah, moms are like that. My mom even does this. So what happens? Your friend is now full of more hatred for her mother. This is fasad fil ard by the way. You know, I get so sad when I see people in hijab. Girls who recite Qur'an and they are rude with their mothers. Wallahi, I don't understand how this can coexist in a person. That when this person is spending so much time busy with the deen, how could they be so rude with their own parents? This is not acceptable. And the worst thing is, when such friends get together, and all of them are wearing hijab, and all of them are reciting Qur'an, and who are they talking bad about? Mother and father. My dad gets angry so quickly, my mother is like this, she doesn't support me in this, my dad doesn't support me in that, my parents don't want me to wear hijab, so therefore I don't listen to them. This is something that is really, really bad. Backbiting about your parents with your friends? I don't care how religious your friends are. But no one has the right to talk bad about their parents with others. You know, when something happens in the house, in the family, keep it there. Keep it there. Unless it's causing you so much distress that you need some help. And even when you are talking to somebody to get some help from them, then if they're really helping you, then talk to them. But if they're not helping you, then stop talking to them. Don't share these problems with them anymore because they're not helping you. If somebody is taking you farther away from your parents, they're not your friend. They're not your friend. No matter how much they say they're your best friend, they're your sister, they love you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If they are creating a rift between you and your mother, not a friend. No matter what form they come in. You see, the Prophet ﷺ, what would he tell his companions? Even when those companions suffered persecution from their own families, what did he tell them? What does Allah say in the Qur'an? Still, what do you have to do? وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا hmm? That accompany them in this worldly life in the correct way. Don't be harsh with them. Don't be rude to them. 
But we think that just because we want to wear the hijab and my mom doesn't support me in that, I have the license to be rude to her. I want to go learn Qur'an, my parents are not supportive, I can be rude to my parents. No, you cannot be rude to your parents. So, if a friend is taking you away from people whom you should be respectful towards, then remember they're not your friend. This is a form of fasad fil ard. The Prophet said, وَلَا تُطِيعُوا أَمْرَ الْمُسْرِفِينَ Do not obey the orders of the transgressors. Who are the transgressors? Because this is a form of israf. Disrespecting parents is a form of israf, exceeding limits. Who are they? Those who cause corruption in the land, they do not amend. They say that they're doing islah, but in reality, they're not doing islah. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Should I not inform you of a deed more superior than salah, fasting, and zakah? Would you like to know? The Sahaba said, Yes. The Prophet ﷺ said, Islahu dhatil bayin. What is Islahu dhatil bayin? Dhatil bayin. What is dhatil bayin? Relationships. And Islah, reformation. Meaning, Fixing relationships. That when people have fought with each other, they're not talking to each other. There's rifts between friends, family, then mending that. This is islah dhatil bayn. This deed is better than salah, fasting, zakah. This doesn't mean that a person doesn't pray salah anymore. It means that it brings them a lot of reward. And the Prophet ﷺ said, وَفَسَادُ ذَاتِ الْبَيْنِ هِيَ الْحَالِقَةِ فَسَادُ ذَاتِ الْبَيْنِ the corruption of mutual relationships. This is al-haliqa. What is haliqa? One that shaves. Meaning, just imagine if a crop has been mown, like if grass has been just recently mown, what's left? Hardly anything. So this is what it does. Fasadu dhatil bayn. It destroys good deeds. But it's sad that, you know, sometimes we, we develop this as a habit fighting with one person and arguing with another person, fighting with the mother and then the sister and the brother and then the father, whoever comes in front of us yelling at them, الَّذِينَ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا يُصْلِحُونَ قَالُوا they said, إِنَّمَا Indeed not but. أَنْتَ you are مِنَ الْمُسَحَّرِينَ They said to their prophet, you are only of those affected by magic. مُسَحَّرِينَ plural of مُسَحَّر Who is مُسَحَّر? One on whom sihr has been done. So one who's been affected by magic. There is another word which is mashur. Mashur is also used for someone who has been affected by magic. But what sounds stronger? Mashur or musahhar? Musahhar. So mashur is someone on whom magic has been done maybe once, twice. But musahhar is someone who's been under the effect of magic not once, not twice, many times, and not just little magic, serious, great magic, so musahharin. They said that we think that you have been seriously affected by magic. But there's a question over here. Who did magic on their prophet? According to them, if their prophet is under a spell, then who did that magic on him? Who? Did you do it? His own people? Did they do it? Well, if they did it, they should also be able to take him out of the effect of magic. Right? Because, you know, for example, if a person does magic on someone, they should be able to break it. So if you've done it, you should be able to break it. Okay, if you haven't done it, your gods have done it, 
then beg your gods to spare him. Why are you blaming him in other words? So, قَالُوا إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مِنَ الْمُسَحَّرِينَ They said, مَا أَنْتَ You are nothing إِلَّا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُنَا Except a human being like us. فَأْتِ بِآيَةٍ So bring a sign. إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ If you should be of the truthful. They're belittling him. قَالَ He said, هَذِهِ نَاقَةٌ He said, this is a she-camel. Because they demanded a miracle from him. فَأْتِ بِآيَةٍ Bring a miracle. He said, okay. This is a miracle. What is the miracle? She-camel. لَهَا شِرْبٌ For it is a shirb. What is shirb? What word does it remind you of? Sharab. Sharab is to drink. Shirb is drinking turn. Meaning the time or portion of water that is specified for an individual. Have you ever seen children lining up by a water fountain? Hmm? Forget about children. Have you done that yourself? Maybe at a restaurant, you're just standing there waiting in line so that you can go fill your drink. So you have to wait for your turn. Your turn is your shirb. Now, can you take as much coke as possible or as you want? How much can you take? How much? Only in the container that you have been given. So the quantity is specified and the time is also specified. Drinking turn. This is shirb. Alright? So their prophet said to them that look, this is a she-camel and she has her drinking turn exclusively for her, meaning when she is drinking, none of your animals should be drinking. وَلَكُمْ and for you is shirb, is also a drinking turn. Meaning one day for her and one day for you. يَوْمِ malum, A day that is known. Meaning for each is a known day. One day for the camel and one day for all of you. Now, in other places of the Qur'an, we learn that these people, they demanded that a she-camel should be sent to them as a miracle. They basically demanded that a camel should walk out of a mountain. And they think, oh, he's a liar, he's never going to be able to do that. And they called him someone who was affected by magic. What happened? A camel walked out. A full-term pregnant she-camel walked out. You know, when you talk about a pregnant woman even, how much she can eat and drink? A lot. Okay, a lot. It's amazing. It's almost amazing how much food can a woman consume when she's full term. Hmm? Now imagine a camel that's full term. How much water do you think it's going to consume? A lot. And especially when a whole day is for her. So what would happen? These people demanded that a camel come out and it came out. So the day of her turn, she drank all the water from the water hole. What happened the next day, there would be very little water for their animals. So a few days, they were okay. But then after a couple of days, they're like, we're done. But their prophet warned them. He said, وَلَا تَمَسُّوهَا in." Do not touch her with evil, with harm, meaning with the intention to hurt her. Because if you do that, فَيَأْخُذَكُمْ Then it will seize you. For means consequently, as a result, if you do touch her with evil, meaning with the intention to kill, then you will be seized by what? عَذَابُ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ Punishment of a great day. Now what day is great and important, why? Because of what happens in it. So punishment of a great day, what he's telling them is, a great punishment will fall upon you if you harm this camel. But did they pay heed? No. فَعَقَرُوهَا But they hamstrung her. عَقَرُوا عَيْنْ قَافْرَا عَقَرَا is to cripple an animal by cutting the tendons at the back of the knee. So basically, the muscles which are at the back of the knee, 
Imagine if they have been cut off, if the leg has been cut off, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's going to collapse. Right? So this is basically a way of slaughtering a camel because a camel is huge. So فَعَقَرُوهَا فَأَصْبَحُوا نَادِمِينَ And they became regretful. Notice how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they killed her. Whereas there was only one individual from among them who actually killed the camel. We learned that there was a man amongst them by the name of Qidar. He is the one who killed the camel. But why is it that the whole nation has been held responsible? Because he did it on their behalf. And he did it at their command. And when he did it, they were happy that finally somebody got rid of the camel. فَعَقَرُوهَا But what happened? فَأَصْبَحُوا They became نَادِمِينَ Nadimin is a plural of نَادِم And نَادِم is one who has nadama. What is nadama? Regret. Does this mean that they were regretful, so they repented, and as a result they were forgiven? Is that what happened? That's not what happened. What's the next ayah? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَأَخَذَهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment seized them. Which means that their repentance was not accepted. You see, regret, nadama, is the first step. It's the first stage, first level of repentance. But if it's too late, or if it's only regret, then it's useless. It's useless. Like for example, if a person has been put into prison, after they committed a crime, they were prosecuted, they were proven guilty, then they're put in prison. And they say, I'm very sorry, I'm very sorry. I'll never do this again. I feel very, very bad for having done such and such and such. Is their regret useful then? Is it going to help them? No. Why? Because it's too late. And in the Qur'an, what do we learn? The tawbah is not for those who are busy doing sayyat, sins, and then as soon as the angel of death appears before them, then they say, inni tubtul an. I repent now, I repent now. Then their tawbah is not accepted. Secondly, remember that nadama is the first stage of tawbah, but it's not the last one. It's the first one. Meaning regret must take us to reform. When a person feels bad about the wrong that they have done, then what should they do after that? Live in that guilt and that regret? What do they have to do? Say sorry. Say sorry. Not that, oh, I feel so bad. I hope you're not hurt. No, now say sorry also. Apologize. So they were regretful, but they did not seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did not seek forgiveness. And because of that, they were not forgiven. So, فَأَصْبَحُوا نَادِمِينَ But still, فَأَخَذَهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment sees them. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً Indeed, in that is surely a sign, a lesson. وَمَا كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ But still, most of the people are not believers. We learned that this nation in particular, they were told when they killed the camel, تَمَتَّعُوا فِي دَارِكُمْ Remain in your homes for just three days. ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ they were given a final warning. You have three days. But what happened in their pride, in their arrogance, they did not even repent then. So after those three days, the punishment seized them, and they were finished. Allah says, indeed, and that is surely a sign, but still most of the people do not believe. They were given a final warning. Did they believe? Did they change? No. 
وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ And indeed your Lord is surely mighty and merciful. Because look at His mercy. He gave them three days. Maybe people will believe now. But still they did not change. So when we learn all of these stories of how the previous nations, they persisted in their evil and then they were punished, don't just think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as someone who destroyed so many people. No, the destruction of the evil people, that shows the izzah of Allah. But at the same time, don't forget Allah's rahmah. That He punished only after warning. And not just one warning, but multiple warnings. And in our lives also, we are given many warnings. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to really learn from our mistakes and do islah, reform ourselves. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. كَذَّبَتْ ثَمُودُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ صَالِحٌ أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ إِنِّي لَكُمْ رَسُولٌ أَمِينٌ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ إِنْ أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ أَتُتْرَكُونَ فِي مَا هَاهُنَا آمِنِينَ فِي جَنَّاتٍ وَعُيُونَ وَزُرُوعٍ